We would like to welcome you all to the uh, midsummer retreat for uh, for a week of uh, maybe relaxed and hard work. Um, I think um, working hard in a relaxed way is another way of talking about right effort, right energy. And uh, it is a fine art which uh, takes usually um, not a short time and a few retreats. So it's good that we have another opportunity to deepen the idea of working, inner work, in a, in a different way, in a relaxed way. I would like to introduce, for those of you who don't know us, uh, I am Corrado, and this is Larry, and uh, this is Matthew, who will be teaching mindfulness yoga and also will be a practice leader. Um, I think it's very nice to be together here to do the practice. Um, personally, the more time goes by and uh, I find the more the practice is lovable. So it's good to, to share this, to share the practice together. Maybe uh, if you've never been here uh, doing a retreat, maybe you're still uh, a little bit anxious or something like that. Um, I think you can let go. And uh, in this feeling of, uh, could we say meaningful togetherness? Sharing the practice, sharing silence. As many of you know, um, silence in, in all ways, no, not talking, not reading, not writing, just a vacation. Um, is an important, is an important vacation and is also a crucial support for the practice, for the Sangha here. Cultivating, again, cultivating silence together. It's wonderful. Um, we, all of us, have had, have had the experience of uh, um, feeling Ill at, Ill at ease when we first have done this, probably, because we are addicted to talking and uh, writing and uh, even more so to thinking. Um, so we, 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 we want to facilitate um, our uh, capacity to be aware through the uh, uh, verbal uh, silence and the silence uh, in the sense of not writing and not reading. It is also important to sometimes uh, see how it feels to live without talking and without writing and without, without um, reading, not even Dharma books. Because sometimes people say, you know, say yeah, I don't read, but of course I, did. I, I, I do read some Dharma books here. This is a Dharma retreat, this is a Buddhist retreat. No. Um, be taking of refuges and precepts, which traditionally happens at the beginning of a retreat, can be something 
rather empty, rather uh, uh, formal, uh, or can be something meaningful. Uh, it has nothing to do with the words, but has more to do with our attitude. We take refuge in the practice. We strengthen our intention to practice at the beginning of a retreat. It sounds to me very reasonable. Taking refuge in the Buddha, in the Dharma, in the Sangha means, first of all, that we take refuge in practicing. We take refuge in the practice of awareness. Recently, Ajahn Sumedho, an abbot, a very well-known monk in this tradition, um, taught a retreat in Italy. And for five days, he's been hammering on trust awareness. You know, awareness and trust into awareness. Now, taking refuge in the Dharma, taking refuge in the Buddha, in the Buddha within, uh, in the um, power of enlightenment, power of liberation, which is inside each of us. You know, taking refuge in, is taking, uh, is, is um, wanting to develop more trust into awareness. Which is different than, uh, uh, you know, uh, wanting to be more aware. But if you have more trust into awareness, we obviously will be more aware. But if you are very ambivalent about awareness, even if we very much want to be aware, not much is going to happen. And the trust is uh, generated uh, by seeing. Uh, how valuable even fleeting moments of awareness are, of true awareness, you know, this capacity to be present. Uh, the, the climate, the inner climate of a retreat, the strength of the people uh, you know, gathered together to practice are a remarkable help to develop more trust into awareness. But taking refuge means to be more explicit uh, ourselves, with ourselves, about uh, this, this area, about wanting to develop more intimacy, more trust, more friendship um, into the practice in uh, awareness. And in Sangha, Sangha, um, of course, is this Sangha, but is, um, uh, the refuge is, has to do with the Arya Sangha, which means uh, over the centuries, all the uh, people who um, uh, developed some degree of liberation through the practice. So we, uh, it's as though we reach out to all these people, uh, present and past, as a help to our practice. You know, it's not um, the fact that the practice has been um, handed down through the centuries and that every, every uh, generation has had uh, flowerings of the practice is a uh, something beautiful, mysterious, and, and uh, something uh, which the more we practice, the more naturally we take refuge in. We remember, you know, we remember the practice, we remember awareness, we remember um, the good uh, which can come from the practice. And so we strengthen the intention to practice by taking the refuges. We are here to practice, and we, you know, strengthen. And we are here to strengthen our motivation to practice. Motivation is 
is the key. Motivation, trust, key, crucial. And usually they grow um, slowly to our disappointment. Because we uh, you know, the way we are. We are, we are impatient. And the practice uh, is developing patience. Usually, we don't, we don't, we don't have patience. Oh, we think we have patience, but it's not true. Patience is a very precious virtue, and uh, it is a value in itself. So, when we take refuge one of uh, the various things which is implied in taking refuge is developing an intention uh, you know intention uh, in uh, in a tender flexible way but also determined way to develop this precious virtue which is patience which is as i say is a value in itself it's not that you need patience to achieve something else. Patience is a value. If you are patient enough, you can practice. That, that's not the idea. Practice is patience, and patience is practice. And this is an important experience. Again, we take refuge in uh, the possibility to deepen this dimension. And the precepts, right, not uh, Killing, not um, taking what is uh, not taking what is not given, um, refraining from sexual activities during the retreat, and uh, um, um, being um, um, uh, faithful in a relationship outside of a retreat, um, practicing right speech. And finally, uh, abstaining from intoxicants again can be just a very, a very uh, empty list, or can be just a sketchy description of a very rich body of experience in 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 uh, ethical sensitivity, uh, which through the practice uh, has to develop. It's different from a norm, different from uh, a forced discipline, just uh, to develop the developing of a, a sensitivity. So the precepts are just, uh, as I said, um, uh, reminders, very handy reminders of something uh, vaster, something more uh, complex and very rich, which. Um, goes together with the practice, with the meditation. The more we meditate and the more we uh, nourish trust in meditation, ethical sensitivity, moral sensitivity, which is a, 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 an aspect of wisdom, tends to develop. But again, it is helpful to repeat to ourselves, to remind ourselves um, the landmarks, the uh, um, basic principles. But as I said, it's very, it's very delicate stuff because it can become dry. Precepts, uh, refuges, and so people uh, um, don't like uh, this stuff anymore, and rightly so, because it's been used in the wrong way. So these are, these are guidelines, precepts, and um, and uh, and refuges to help us develop something deeper. Trust in the practice uh, to open up to the mystery of life and um, precepts as, rem as reminders of, of that uh, form of uh, uh, living wisdom, which is ethical sensitivity.
I, just to come to a conclusion, uh, personally would like uh, to encourage you to to practice hard in a relaxed way. Um, without forcing and uh, without letting go. Taking advantage of this uh, seven days. Because as someone said, the retreat is nothing special, and yet it's something very special. A number of conditions have to come together for us to be in a retreat. Um, in the traditional Buddhism, it is said that if you are in a retreat, that is a sign of good karma. So, I think we should take advantage of uh, being a, in a situation of good karma. Maybe not all of us are convinced right now that we are uh, in a very fortunate uh, position. But maybe tomorrow we'll uh, be more convinced, or at the end of the retreat, or after the retreat. But um, it's a precious space, the retreat, where we can learn a different way of being with all our ways of thinking and feeling. Uh, learn a way which is not a constant uh, identification and believing our minds, which creates a lot of dukkha, a lot of dissatisfaction in our lives. So we have every day, all the time, to develop a different way of relating to our minds. Because minds are first and foremost in, in uh, shaping our lives and uh, what we say, what we do. Our minds usually are pretty confused, um, governed, run by uh, uh, certain patterns. Uh, we are not here to analyze those patterns, but uh, to become more awake and less identified with them. It takes time, but it is extremely gratifying, it's extremely satisfying. And uh, from a certain point onwards, you wouldn't think of uh, dropping this tool, the practice, because uh, you see uh, how much benefit can come from developing, from learning to develop a different relationship. It takes time, as I said. Um, we, are, we can be fascinated for years, for instance, and then I will uh, shut up. Uh, uh, fascinated by the idea of being aware of our thoughts and emotions, Oh, yes, of course, wonderful, uh, but are very powerful. Our mental habits are very, very powerful. So that's why patience is crucial, because it happens slowly, slowly, and, and it's very liberating. And uh, a retreat is a marvelous opportunity to do a, 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 a good work in this uh, work of liberation. Uh, liberation is the word. Hmm? So learning a little bit more about liberation. Uh, getting some more space inside. What a relief. Thank you. This is a uh, particularly sweet retreat for <clears throat> Corrado and myself, perhaps for some of you as well. Uh, I think this is the 18th year we've done it. And many of you, some of you, have been here for many of those years and some of those years. And so it's a kind of reunion in silence. Um, a little weird. 
although you guys get to talk to each other and laugh and shake hands, and we did a little as we came in. Uh, but a lot gets done even in the silence, of course. Um, Corrado and I met here, became friends in the early days of IMS. We both were doing a three-month retreat. And at the end of the retreat, the last few days were what used to be called Integration Week, where <clears throat> after sitting in silence for three months, uh, you could slowly start to talk and do things. And so we were both, our yogi job was pots. And we were allowed to speak. Now for three months I had noticed Corrado and I thought, oh no, another New York Jewish psychiatrist. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't there enough of them? Anyway, the whole retreat seemed to be psychotherapists from New York, Jewish or otherwise. Um, to my surprise, he wasn't. Not only that, I had had bad experiences growing up in Brooklyn by being beaten up by Italian kids all the time. So I came to him with a prejudice. Uh, and it turned out we became very, very good friends. And we did the pots, and it was very loose just the last day or two. We wound up walking. I think we went all the way past Petersham, or, uh, found we had a tremendous amount in common. And our friendship has proceeded along with uh, teaching together, practicing together, uh, all the ups and downs of life for each one of us. So uh, it's both a retreat, and it's also a, a very nice coming together for many of us. Uh, typically, when retreats begin or end, <clears throat> it's quite uh, common for discussion to be about sometimes called integration, daily life. That is, where we are now is a retreat, intensive practice. And then where we go from here, when the retreat is over, into daily life. But we'd like to turn that around quite a bit, totally in fact, uh, to suggest that uh, this way of looking at things, as helpful as it is, may have some limitations, particularly for us as lay people. There may be some, I don't know, I can't see you all, but uh, probably most, if not all of us, are lay people. And at home, most of the ordinary things of life, ordinary here not being derogatory at all, quite the contrary, uh, take up most of our day. And we do some sitting practice. Here it's reversed. We do a lot of sitting, yet there is a daily life here. Uh, we do many of the very same things, but in silence. Uh, we wash, we dress, uh, we eat, we do some work. Uh, it's a strange kind of social gathering as well. Although uh, we're not speaking, the power of the Sangha is that we are here together, so we know that we're with people. Uh, usually the Sangha is spoken of in very uh, laudatory terms, of, and that is its main uh, value. I think we've all experienced that, that is having other people with us uh, along the way who are, who are moving in the same direction, who are rowing in the same direction, the same boat, is very, very helpful. But it isn't all uh, harmonious. Sometimes people will do things on the retreat, just as they do in life, that irritate us, that are off, that are wrong, uh, and so forth. And so what we'd like to suggest is that the attitude you take is that to see this as a whole life here. Granted, sitting the priority will be, in, in t certainly in terms of time, is that we'll be doing a lot of sitting and a lot of uh, stylized kind of contemplative walking. Uh, and that's familiar. But that is not the entire retreat. And watch your attitude. You may find that that is, in the mind, considered the real thing. But let's say um, doing your yogi job, vacuuming, or whatever your job is, I hope you got one that you don't like, because uh, you can learn more from those jobs. Um, 
everything else, which is considerable, including our reactions to people in silence, to allow that all to be practiced, so that there are whole people practicing here in silence together, and that we don't play a game without even knowing it, that practice is really what we're doing in this hall or when we do the special walking, but everything else is kind of a break or on the way, waiting for the real thing, the next sitting, or perhaps a talk or an interview or a group discussion, whatever. A, a totally different attitude, uh, one where life is prior to sitting. Life is prior to IMS. Life is prior to the Buddha. And this is a very useful form that has evolved over thousands of years as an expression of life. But there's only daily life. Wherever you run, there you'll be again. Have you noticed that? And you can, uh, the mind has ways of defining what's significant, what's important, what it has conviction in, what it doesn't, what it's just uh, trying to just get it over with, get through, and what is really um, vital. And get to know that mind, so that little by little, see if you can, in the seeing of it, some of these compartments which are made in the mind start to dissolve. And the practice becomes exquisitely simple. Not easy, but simple. It's just keep it simple and stick to the present moment. So that whatever it is we're doing, can we do that wholeheartedly? And you'll see that's asking uh, for something that's difficult, because when you start to do whatever it is, the mind has a mind of its own. And before you know it, it's off on all kinds of projects, uh, preconceptions, uh, preoccupations, that have nothing to do with what we're doing. And so little by little we use everything, nothing here trivial, nothing here that's outside of Dharma. Dharma and daily and, and life being synonymous in a sense. Because wisdom is not reserved for special postures or special places, and it's wisdom that frees us. Our practice will be, uh, as Carlo just pointed out, uh, maintaining the precepts the ethical refinement, and that's a lot easier to do here uh, because of the obvious, the silence and the restrictions. There's subtle ways in which a kind of criminal subculture springs up, but it's relatively small stuff. You know, taking two cookies instead of when it says just take one. Although it's, there it is, you know, it's a small way, but it's the same mind or other kinds of ways in which we cut corners and don't surrender uh, to this way of life for just seven days. That's what's being asked of us. Um, I think if you can take that perspective, and it's important to start that way, uh, because otherwise when the retreat ends and then we talk about how important daily life is, which of course it is, um, then we're we again perpetuating that kind of split. The truth is, there's just life. And we're learning the art of living it, how to live. And it's difficult being a human being. We don't really know how to live very well. The Buddha is one, there have been others who've come, messengers who've tried to help us learn how to live. And this practice has proven itself to be a, one useful way of enabling us to do that. Uh, to begin to understand patterns that uh, don't work, that uh, are not effective, that are not helpful to us or anyone else, and to unlearn them, to let them go, and to see ways of living that actually are fruitful, and to deepen those ways, to support them, to uh, allow those to, to blossom, to be nourished by us. Um, the practice, uh, the formal practice, as many of you know, will, is following the, the classical model, sila, samadhi, panya. Ethical purification, which is relatively under control here. Uh, even misuse of speech. There's not much possibility or much less possibility because you're in silence. But then again, uh, in discussion groups, in interviews, uh, can you take it on as a practice to see it 
to be in touch with what you're feeling, what's on your mind, and to translate that into accurate, honest words. And then we can all do that with each other. Um, the samadhi part, the official instructions, which I'm going to start now, uh, is, the, is breathing, anapanasati, full awareness of breathing. I, I think that's familiar to everyone. Some of you may wish to calm the mind or concentrate it by metta or other ways that you uh, work. Um, I don't think that's the issue. Whatever helps you uh, and to enable the mind to settle down, to become more focused, to become more peaceful, and as a result more serviceable, useful, uh, is fine. But the words that you're going to hear are going to be about breath awareness. So those of you who are new, um, the language is going to be about uh, using just ordinary natural breathing uh, as a tool to develop not only concentration, but also wisdom. And so if you're doing a lot that's other than that, uh, it's not forbidden. It's just that uh, you'll be, your mind will be off somewhere, and perhaps you won't learn what is possible. Then again, some of you have been practicing for a long time, and you know what's good for you. And I, I personally would trust that. The instructions are going to follow uh, a form. That is, for the first few days, what's going to be emphasized is exclusive attention to the breathing, coming back to the breathing again and again and again, every time the mind uh, slips off. I think you all know that. Um, but you don't have to follow the, the uh, official verbal presentation. Uh, if your mind, for whatever reason, some of you have been already sitting for a while, you've been here, and you just continue another retreat, uh, extending it into this one, and you're ready to, to sit uh, and watch the arising and passing away of all, all mental and physical formations, by all means. So, uh, but the words are going to are going to proceed in a generalized way for, hopefully, of some value to some of you. But we know you're all individuals, and also that one size does not fit all, and that's why uh, there'll be discussion groups uh, and opportunity for interviews uh, every day, starting on Sunday. Tomorrow is going to be a day of just silence, where we all just settle in. There'll be a talk in the evening. Other than that, it's just a quiet time to arrive fully here. Um, I think that's about it. The rest will be uh, will unfold as we as the retreat unfolds and we uh, start uh, communicating with each other and experiencing what's happening. The one thing I'd like to emphasize, and you're going to hear this said in probably a, a thousand different ways, is that the emphasis is not on attaining particular states of mind, although the mind has been trained to do just that. It's calculating. It's had a lot of practice calculating, doing this in order to get that. Uh, the emphasis here is going to be on this moment. Uh, keeping it simple and sticking to the present moment, we start off with just simple breathing. All human beings breathe. It's just a normal, uh, natural process. It's going on 24 hours a day. And we should, the only difference is we're beginning to notice it and to give it a certain attention over and above everything else that's happening. It turns out that that simple decision is of great help in the mind calming settling down, and actually becoming, if you do it uh, with some consistency, uh, very, very strong. The mind can become very, very stable and strong. Quite important, so that it's stable enough to look at the powerful aspects of mind that are problematic for us, that cause suffering. When we say be mindful, be with it, and so forth, it sounds good, but what What's the, the, how fit is the mind to be able to do that? And so we're emphasizing that part. Everything we're doing, of course, is developing that ability to pay attention. The simplest step, uh, raising up a fork and eating, all of it, 
a mindful life is something that's going to be contributing to that. And so we'll start off with the breathing. Uh, in a few days, we'll open it up uh, to just being with whatever is there. No agenda whatsoever. As we get to know you, uh, those instructions might change in a way that might be relevant for just you. Maybe there's no one else on the retreat uh, who needs to do that. Uh, but the, the instructions are generalized of necessity that, that so many of us. You've been sitting for a while, um, managers' instructions and so forth. Um, if you feel like standing, shaking, wiggling, please do it just for a moment or two. It's not a, a big break. Because, and then we'll have uh, the sitting instructions and have a final sitting before we all get a good night's rest, I hope. While you're stretching and moving, um, this retreat will also include mindfulness yoga taught by Matthew, Matthew Danielle. And any yoga taught in a competent way is, of course, going to be helpful. You probably, most of us, not all of us, know that. You've experienced some value in uh, different movements, stretching and, and uh, breath. Um, this particular approach is an attempt uh, to use the form of yoga so that it is not simply uh, helping the Vipassana practice. At the very least, yoga is often characterized as preparing the body to do yoga. That's at very least. If you do it in the spirit in which Matthew is going to teach it, and you'll find that out starting tomorrow, uh, the yoga is just an expression of Vipassana meditation, of clear seeing. All that Vipassana means is clear seeing. I don't mean all merely. Uh, to see clearly is, uh, that's what the whole thing's about. Uh, and so, uh, you may have had other forms of yoga, no doubt you do, and I'm sure they're valuable and uh, many, many benefits, even beyond having a firm butt and nice thighs. And, uh, but this one will also uh, encourage you to do the postures in the same spirit that you would do walking meditation or any other practice, mindfully. It's very simple. Again, not easy. Okay, could we all assume what for you is a comfortable sitting posture? Whether you're in a chair or a bench or a cushion, if there's some arrangement that I haven't covered, It's important for the body to be relaxed. And a good way to begin that, a small but useful way, is to move through the body. Just take mindfulness and start at the head and um, just take a minute or two and as you move through the body, course through the body, if you come upon some place, the jaw, the eyes, perhaps the shoulders, wherever, that is not relaxed, quite the contrary, it's tense, being held, contracted. Just pause for a few moments. And it's not relaxing the part, but bringing mindfulness to the tension. And that usually loosens things up a bit. So that we've moved, finally we move through the entire body and in a sense we're seeing what kind of body are we starting our retreat with? What shape is it in? Right now, right here. And look into the mind as well. How are we starting this retreat? Is there some mood, excitement, trepidation? Why 
wanting to be somewhere else. Perhaps something from the week is still very much on your mind. Just see where you're starting. It's not to banish anything. It's just to see. Oh, this is how it is for me right now. And bring the spine into a straight line so that the head, neck, and back are upright, upright but not rigid. Chin tilted downwards just a little bit. Your eyes are closed. Check to see that the lids are shut very softly, lightly. If you do better with the eyes half open, some of you in Zen or some Tibetan practices, that's fine. The main thing is what helps you stay awake, alert, present. And take two or three deep breaths, if you wish, a little deeper than our normal breathing. In and out through the nose, and then And then leave the breathing alone. Let it do what it does in the way in which it does it. We're not trying for any ideal pattern of breathing. Rather, we're learning to be awake to the way the breath actually is. Many of you perhaps locate the breath, the breath sensations. It's not an idea or an image. Perhaps in the area of the nasal passages, the upper lip, some at the abdomen, other places. Some are practicing the whole body, whole body breathing, just aware of the body sitting and feeling the breath sensations, wherever you feel them. Whatever your way of attending to this process of respiration, be clear about it. What is it that you've set for yourself to do? If you're not clear, you'll be all over the place. And then begin to just take it one breath at a time. Feeling a full in-breath as it arises, operates, passes away. Perhaps a pause. A full out-breath, same. Learning how to receive each breath. We're not running out looking for a breath as much as resting in awareness and receiving the breath as it comes to us. As the lungs fill up and empty, no need to search. The breath is happening. Just feel it wherever, that it, wherever you're doing that. So we're developing an alert wakefulness, one that's also relaxed. Some balance between wakefulness and relaxation.
as we sit and breathe. Everything else keeps happening. We're just people sitting here. Thoughts, well, they chase each other through the mind, one after another. Pictures and moods. The body's always feeling one way or another. There's temperature and sound. We're not for or against any aspect of the mind or body. Allow that all to happen. But what we're featuring are the breath sensations. So there's no struggle. We're not at war. We're not trying to not think or stop thinking. As some, sometimes this, this is misunderstood as practice. Life goes on. It's just that we've decided temporarily to trade in all the many preoccupations we could have for one. That each and every one of us in this room, all of us are breathing. feeling sleepy, put more energy into the body, see if your body is upright. The other aspect of practice is from time to time as we do this exclusive breath awareness. The mind goes off and goes somewhere else. It doesn't want to be with the breath. It has other interests. As soon as you see that, you become aware of unawareness, which means you're awake again. not lost in thoughts or plans of the future or the past. And then very gently, gracefully, without blame, just come back to the breath as many times as you need to do that. That minimizes the struggle that people often go through. Conflict between being 
concentrated and being distracted. Taking it one breath at a time, giving full care and attention to each breath, noticing when we're elsewhere, and just returning. We'll be doing lots of that for the next few days. Please check to see if you're awake.
Please listen to the sound of the bell as you breathe in and breathe out. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.